Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Our theme this year is building a New Testament church. And somewhere in the foundation of the New Testament church, of course, Christ being the chief cornerstone, the apostles and prophets, our foundation, according to Ephesians 2.20. But there is a foundational stone in the New Testament apostolic church that is called consecration. Everybody say consecration. God does amazing things when we consecrate our lives unto him. And God responds very favorably to those who will consecrate and separate and dedicate their lives unto him. And I'm not sure that this is a one-time experience. I think this is something that we do in seasons of our life to get closer to God as we are attempting to do right now. So I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 3, reading the first five verses of this very powerful moment and episode in the nation of Israel and their history. Joshua 3, 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So they're entering a new season, 40 years in the wilderness, and Joshua is preparing them for their future. Verse 2, so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, or should we say the spiritual leadership of the congregation bearing that ark on their shoulders, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So essentially, there's three things that Joshua told the children of Israel to do. He said, when you see the ark moving, get up and go after it. Don't delay. Don't be distracted, but get up and move. Secondly, he said, if you will get up and move with the ark and those priests that bear it on their shoulders, you will be led into a place where you will see things that you have never seen before. And thirdly, Joshua said in verse five, sanctify, or in other words, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua understood that if the children of Israel were going to become the people that God envisioned them to be, they had to transition 
from the people of the wilderness to the people of the promised land. They had to get the slave spirit out of their hearts. That spirit that always wanted to go back to Egypt, that pined away for the, the onions, the leeks, the melons and the garlics and, you know, wanted a cemetery more than a house, you know, that they didn't have to build and uh, this amazing promised land that God had provided for them. So Joshua was calling them to do something extraordinary and unusual because God was going to do something in extraordinary and unusual with them. So what that means to us is that God wants to show us things that we've never seen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him, and we certainly do. Then he said, but they are revealed to us by the spirit of the Lord. And so in this 40 day season of fire, today being day 12, we are sacrificing, we are consecrating, we are separating ourselves unto the Lord. We want to hear what we've never heard. We want to see what we've never seen. We want to feel what we've never felt. We want to sense perhaps from God what we have never sensed. And this is exactly what Joshua was preparing the children of Israel to do. The word consecrate means to set apart, to dedicate yourself to God, to relinquish everything that you are, everything that you have to the glory and the purpose of God. Nothing is ours. Everything that we have belongs to God. We dedicate everything that we have, everything that we are. We put it on the altar and we give it to God. Now, I don't know what you think of when the word consecrate comes to mind. But when I think of consecration, in my mind's eye, I see myself or someone in the house of the Lord, in the sanctuary, perhaps kneeling at the altar or kneeling at a chair. And I see that person's head bowed. I see their eyes closed, maybe even their fists clenched in desperation. In fact, my wife gave me a, a uh, I guess you would call it a, a statue or an imagery in my office and I, I love it. She knew that I loved it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, create artist creation of a old time preacher who's draped over a chair and he's got his fist clenched and he's seeking God with all of his heart. And this is what I think of when I, when I see, this is what I see when I think of consecration, you know, our heads bowed and our eyes closed and we're pouring our lives out and our souls unto God and deep surrender. And I would say that our lives should be marked with altars. If we are serious followers of Jesus Christ, and we are, every serious follower of Christ needs to have an altar in their life. This is a time and a season of consecration. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse one, I beseech you therefore, 
brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. He didn't just say your life. He said your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, not partially, but holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, he's giving us this, this imagery of an Old Testament sacrifice that goes up on the brazen altar. And in this 40-day season of sacrifice, we need to make sure that we are presenting our bodies, not partially. You know, maybe so far we've got a hand or an arm or, you know, maybe a leg or a foot up on the altar. But Paul said, make sure you get your whole lousy carcass up on that altar as a living sacrifice. And I will tell you by ex from experience that you'll have to watch your flesh because it'll want to crawl off that altar. Don't let it crawl off the altar. Make it stay there until everything carnal that God reveals to you dies and is crucified and and this is an ongoing process, and we're doing it again at the beginning of this year. I believe that there are actually three places to build altars in your life. The first one I've already mentioned, that's the altar here at the Life Church uh, in the sanctuary. And you need to become familiar with that altar. You need to take advantage of every altar call. We don't hardly ever dismiss without giving someone an opportunity to respond to the message, to the word. And when we do that, God is pleased and God honors our action that we take when we hear the word of God. I think it's dangerous to hear preaching and teaching and just let it go in one ear and out the other and not respond, not make a commitment, not make a decision. Uh, and so that's the first altar that we need to have. The second altar is what Paul described in 1 Corinthians as your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He said, you are not your own, but you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And so this requires a continual cleansing, consecration, renewal, and to realize that the real temple of God is dwelling within us. So in the first of the year, let's cleanse this inner man of thoughts and imaginations and perhaps attitudes and desires that we know are destructive, that we know distract us from the purpose of God. Let's cleanse our, the Bible says, cleanse yourselves. Paul said, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There should be something in us that, in our frail, pitiful human way, we're reaching for the holiness of God, which is simply a desire to please God.
And so within us is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Let's not defile this temple. Let's not destroy this temple, but let's be purified inside and afflict ourselves and ask God to have mercy on us and to cleanse us from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And I think the third place to have a temple is right where you are right now in your home, in the privacy of your home. We will not have revival in the big house until we have revival in the little house. It starts here. Then it moves into our homes and our families. And then the impact will be felt corporately at the third temple of our lives. And that is when we gather, hopefully this Sunday, and we're planning on that at the Life Church in the house of the Lord. I want to uh, begin to bring this message to a close by stirring up your pure minds and recalling what happened in Matthew chapter 21 when Jesus cleansed the temple. This is a word for somebody right now. There were two occasions when Jesus cleansed the temple. The first occasion was at the beginning of his ministry. You know, for centuries, the temple had gone unchecked, unmonitored. No one was accountable uh, for the happenings inside the temple. So by the time Jesus, the Lord of the temple, the Lord of the house, came to the temple, Herod's temple, it was so desecrated. It was so defiled. So he cleansed it. After centuries of unbridled, you know, carnality and abuse and misuse of the temple. And then several months go by, perhaps a couple years. And then he has to come back again at the end of his ministry and cleanse it again. And this is what happened in Matthew chapter 21. What actually had taken place in the temple was a hostile takeover. Jesus had cleansed it, but because he wasn't there every day, the thieves came back in. The people, the leaders, the spiritual leaders of Judaism that were cheating the people and charging exorbitant uh, exchange rates. They couldn't buy sacrifice animal sacrifices with common street money they had to exchange it for temple money holy money and the exchange rate was exorbitant and they were and jesus called them a den of thieves a den of thieves uh and so he cleanses the temple he takes a whip a scourge of nine tails a cat of nine tails and he he drives the animals out he overturns uh, and totally upsets the money changers tables. And so there was the first thing I want, there was four things that happened. The first thing is there was purification. He purified it. He drove everything out that was not honoring God and that was cheating the people. So there was purification. Everybody say purification. Ah, I can almost hear you. And then there was proclamation. 
After Jesus cleansed it, he assigned purpose to the temple. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So not only did he purify it, but then he proclaimed that his house would be called a house of prayer. It's interesting that immediately after there was purification and proclamation, there was a demonstration of power. The power of God immediately began to manifest. The Bible says that the blind and the lame began to come to the temple. I guess they must have heard Jesus got rid of the riffraff. He got rid of the charlatans. He got rid of, you know, the, the takeover. And he recaptured the purpose of his house. And so the blind and the lame came and they were healed. So after purification and proclamation, there was a demonstration of power. Everybody say power. And then immediately after the people saw the power of God, the scripture said that children began to praise him. They began to worship and glorify him. So there was purification, proclamation, power, and finally praise. And I would to God, that every one of our services as we gather together to worship, whether in our homes, in family devotions, or in the sanctuary this Sunday, that we would drive everything out that's not like the Lord, that we would restate the purpose of our lives. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, that there would be a demonstration of the power of God and powerful praise. I want to bring the final closing to this message with a story I share by permission. I'm going to leave some details out and perhaps this individual will want to share this in person on Sunday, but suffice it to say that Monday morning at 4.30, I received a text. Uh, my phone was turned off, thank the Lord. But uh, this man in our congregation, a husband, a father of small children, a leader of his family, spiritual leader, protector of his home, spiritual protector and physical protector and provider, one of the best families that we have. Uh, this father, husband, texted me and said, Pastor, we are participating in this season of consecration. And he said, early this morning, I was having a dream. And my dream was that you were in the house where I grew up. And you were in my bedroom going through some boxes. And he said, I knew what you were looking for. You were looking for some books that were perhaps uh, on the wrong side of spirituality, let's say. And they were books that were popular probably back in the, I don't know, the 90s, early 2000s. And there were movies made from these books. Uh, and uh, he said, I knew you were looking for them. He said, suddenly I was awakened and one of my children was screaming. So this is four o'clock in the morning. 
He said, I jumped out of bed. I ran to my child's room. I tried to comfort him. He said he wanted his mother. So uh, his mother came. He said, my wife uh, came to my son's rescue. And he said, I told her, you may think I'm crazy, but I've got to go do something. He said, in the past, I sort of didn't really take this very seriously. But he said, I didn't know exactly what God was preparing me for. But he said, I began to speak in tongues under, under my breath, in my mouth and in my spirit. And he said, I went and looked for those books that I knew were in my house. He said, I couldn't find them. So I went to my wife and I said, where are those books? She said, well, I sold them in a garage sale. And so he said, well, I know there's something still in this house. He began to look around and he found some DVDs. And he said, when I had this compelling urgency to remove these things from my house, he said, when I grabbed a hold of those DVDs, he said that compelling urgency left my spirit. In other words, he was saying, I knew that I was doing the right thing. I was cleansing my house. He said those DVDs were in a shelf on the other side of the wall of the bedroom where my son woke up screaming. And so he said, I opened the garage door. I went out. I threw them in the garbage. The garbage was already on the street for the pickup that day. Came back in the house. His wife said, what were you doing? And he told her and it resonated with her and it made him realize that as a husband and a father, he is the protector of his home and the peace of his home and the sanctity of his home. And if you are taking the journey and you read Batterson's book, Draw the Circle, Day 11, where it talks about first class noticers, first class noticers, then you understand what was going on in this man's home because of consecration and prayer and seeking God. We hear things, we see things, we feel things, we notice things. God exposes things that never could have been or would have been otherwise. And so we're going to close this message with a prayer. And I want you to gather together as a family. If you have family in the house with you now, if you're alone, that's all right. We're going to bow and we're going to pray right now. In the name of Jesus, we gather with our families, O oh Lord, and we consecrate this day unto you because we want to see things that we've never seen. Lord, you told Joshua if they would consecrate, that they would, Lord, enter into a place they had never been and see what they had never seen. And as a congregation and as families, Lord, there are things that, we want to see happen, Lord. There are miracles that we want to take place. So as we consecrate our personal temples of our hearts and the temple of our home, Lord, we want to remove everything that's not like you. We want to get rid of everything, entertainment, language, attitudes, Lord, relationships that don't please you. We throw them out, Lord, like you did the temple. We cleanse it right now, Lord, and we proclaim your house shall be called the house of prayer. Now let it be followed by a demonstration of power and revelation. And may we be quick to give you praise and glory. 
Lord, strengthen our marriages and our spiritual leaders in our homes. Lord, touch and strengthen the children and protect them in this ungodly world. Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And for these things, Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to encourage you perhaps to have a family discussion right now about this message and about consecration and maybe go back and revisit Joshua chapter 3 and Romans chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 21 where Jesus cleansed the temple and lead your family in a, in a, in a discussion if you have time and I know the Lord will bless you for it. So I want to thank everyone for joining us and uh, the Lord be with you. And we will see you all, Lord willing, this Sunday at the Life Church at 10 a.m. God bless you. Go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ.